Welcome back to another episode of the AACTE podcast. AACTE, the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, is the leading voice on educator preparation. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Gangone, President and CEO of AACTE. We're continuing in our first series where we're highlighting case stories that were first shared at our national conference in 2021 by AACTE members. AACTE is all about improving and revolutionizing teacher preparation. And one of the pain points that we often see, in addition to the decreased number of teacher candidates, is the lack of clinical teachers to instruct and support new teachers. Today, we're looking at a case study focusing on a co-teaching model for new teachers and how taking this approach can be beneficial to both beginning teachers and clinical teachers. Dr. Christina Tashida, Associate Professor for Curriculum and Instruction at the Appalachian State University in North Carolina, joins us today along with teachers Jeff Bell and Ashley Smith from Pitt County Schools, also in North Carolina, to discuss the tremendous success they have had in taking this approach. They share more about how adapting this model has enabled their teacher candidates to complete their preparation programs and feel more confident in their roles. I will mention there are some abbreviated terms you'll hear mentioned, and I want to clarify those before we begin. We're going to be talking about TCs, BTs, and CTs, which stands for teacher candidates and beginning teachers and clinical teachers. So just keep that in mind as we go along. I think there is a lot for us to learn and as we listen to this story, so let's dive in. Good morning, my name is Christina Chita and I am with Jeff Bell and Ashley Smith. And we are going to be talking about connecting pre-service and in-service teaching through the use of a co-teaching model. So we know that there are multiple challenges for beginning teachers from our education programs through that beginning time into a school district. We have an increased accountability for making sure that our teachers are ready to teach in the schools. We have a decreased number of teacher candidates entering the field these days, and there are many limitations to the field experiences that they can have. This is even harder because the number of clinical teachers in some states is limited, and many others are are choosing not to take TCs these days. COVID has presented many issues that we're still realizing for educator prep. The school districts are facing high teacher shortages, partly because of that decreased number of teacher candidates. We have very high number of lateral entry teachers in North Carolina, for sure, but I know that that is across the country. There is research that shows there's poor performance among beginning teachers. Novice teachers take time to to master their craft. And because of uh, the pressures um, for so many reasons, there's a high burnout rate with teachers and it has actually become escalated during COVID. Retention issues, we have 33% of our BTs leaving in those first three years. We know it's even higher by the time they get to year five. If we can keep them in there till year five, we're finding that you know many of them do stay. So these are some of the issues and the context under which we are gonna present our information and talk to you a little bit about how we responded to these challenges. 
At ECU, where I was prior to coming to um, App State, the co-teaching model was being used and it began kind of as an answer to some of the problems that we were having with less and less CTs that were willing to take candidates and turn over their classroom. And what we found over the years with the model is that clinical teachers were really happy to come up alongside our teacher candidates and work with them using this model. There are a lot of advantages to the model in that the teacher is able to model good teaching. They're able to co-reflect and and co-plan with the teacher candidate. Our teacher candidates were coming out actually feeling more confident in things like classroom management, their ability to differentiate, just their knowledge of the students and their planning and instruction. There was a lot of growth for our teacher candidates that we saw over the years, including that that classroom management, the differentiation. And then interestingly, we had higher ed TPA scores for those of our candidates that were going through the co-teaching model. So I had a lot of conversations with um, some of the district people, the district that ECU is in is Pitt County Schools, and we uh, talked a lot about how can we help our pre-service teachers move into that in-service teaching in a way that really supports them. One of the people that I spoke with, Seth Brown, He and I talk a lot about co-teaching as a possibility. So our aim in developing this model called Building Capacity to Teach was to really support a teacher candidate who graduated, oftentimes doing the co-teaching in their student teaching experience, and then transition them into their own classroom with a little bit more support. So we did initial training on co-teaching and the faculty at ECU provided that for the the county. And then we did this partnership that allowed us to, to kind of follow our teacher candidates, support them, help examine the data with them. We had a lot of conversations. Ashley and Jeff are two of the people that I spoke with a lot about this. And and we also did some co-development of two strategies, one for co-assessment and one for co-reflection, because those were two areas that we found our folks needed more training on. And the biggest thing some of these students were talking about was just that idea of like sink and swim. Student teaching was a sink and swim experience. I, you know, um, I had, I didn't have the support that I needed, but when they got into the co-teaching, what they found was that they're, they weren't sinking anymore. They were not failing at things. They were able to concentrate on the things they needed to concentrate. And the clinical teacher was able to step in and sort of help them with those other things. So slowly they took over, slowly they built their confidence and their capacity to be able to teach. So rather than just kind of throwing them in, we found that the co-teaching really helped uh, keep them from sinking and gave them the support that they need, almost like throwing them a life preserver while they were student teaching. So in our school system, we started rolling out some advanced teaching roles. And one of the ones that that we were really excited about was this multi-classroom teacher. We use the word co-teacher a little bit differently in this specific model than the the generic application. In our model, our nomenclature, the multi-classroom teacher is the veteran teacher that works with beginning teachers or novice teachers. And so when when you hear us use the word co-teacher, 
the co-teacher is for our model specifically refers to that beginning or novice teacher. And what we were really targeting, we were really looking for veteran teacher that was highly effective with respect to student outcomes. Um, our state uses EVOS as its value-added measure, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But so they, the one requirement was that they they had a track record of success with students. Uh, also, a lot of content and ped pedagogical experience. So their mission, each of these multi-classroom teachers actually co-teaches with two to three beginning teachers. And they really focus on developing their effectiveness and building their capacity to teach. It's, it's really much about building capacity in teachers. So some of the training that we gave them to support them, first of all, they, like Dr. Cheetah said, we knew that ECU was going to be a powerful partner when it came to the nuts and bolts of co-teaching. So they came in and actually provided training on how to co-plan, how to co-instruct. We also looked at co-assessment and co-reflection. And that training was given to both the multi-classroom teachers and the uh, co-teachers. We also, for the multi-classroom teacher, gave them training in cognitive coaching. Uh, we knew that it was going to be important for them to be able to mediate the thinking of their co-teachers. And so they had extensive training in that, as well as effective feedback. Situational leadership was another training that we gave them that uh, we felt was very important because a lot of times it's easy to look at a beginning teacher and think that they need help in all of the things. And what situational leadership ha helps them kind of think through is what are the specific tasks that beginning teachers are navigating? Uh, and some of those tasks, they're really, they really are starting at, uh, at the ground floor in terms of readiness level. But for other tasks, they, they, they've got some experience and they've got some competency. So there was a big focus on helping multi-classroom teachers be able to differentiate their support based on what a teacher needed for a particular task. And then finally, we, we gave them uh, crucial conversations Co-teaching in general is often viewed as the marriage analogy. And so being able to communicate and have those crucial conversations is really vital to, to the success. So that was how we chose MCTs and kind of the training that we provided or equipped them with to, to do this work. Currently, we're in the third year of this work. And in the first couple of years, we kind of figured some things out. Uh, in, in year one, what we found out with our multi-classroom teachers was that because they were so highly effective with students, it was a very common pitfall was that they would default to student outcomes at the expense of building that teacher capacity. They had to hold these two different things in tension with student learning and adult learning with their co-teachers. And a lot of times they, they, they may have gone a little bit more in the balance, in the direction of student learning. And so one of the ways in, that, in which that manifested itself was that a lot of times they would do things for their co-teacher. They were coming from very good intentions. They thought they were shielding their co-teacher from, from some of these things. They would just do it for, for them. And so taking the lessons learned from year one, we were able to really kind of recalibrate and really emphasize the importance of building a capacity in in the adults in the co-teachers and so in year two they were much more intentional about really building the craftsmanship in their teachers and really their ability to kind of let go of of some of the control 
of um, with, with instruction and with creating assessments and, and, and planning. So it became more about creating with their co-teacher rather than for their co-teacher. We really focused on making sure that that dynamic was not just a, a one-way you know, mentor, mentee. We wanted to bring some balance to it. And so our most successful multi-classroom teachers were able to really embrace that identity that we have a lot that we can learn from each other. Uh, some of the ways, uh, some common threads we heard from MCTs was that uh, their beginning teacher really helped them a lot in terms of different ideas for planning, different ideas for using instructional technology in the classroom. And so those MCTs that came in with the identity of, you know, I can, I can learn from you just, you know, like you can learn from me. And it, it's more of a, it put them on more of an equal footing. I think they, they were the ones that, that had a more effective working relationship with their, with their co-teachers. So just kind of taking a look at how we had that first year journey together instead of alone. And I think that's a loaded statement because that wasn't just our co-teachers and our BTs, but it was also that really important relationship that Pitt County had with ECU. I think that unifying the language that these teachers, especially our candidates that were coming from ECU, were able to walk into a brand new setting with all of the new things that hit a, a new teacher, but still able to use some of the same language. So we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. Our initial summer training was a lot about what Jeff was talking about. They did do colors and thought about how can I be outward with this other person? What are all the things that we can learn about each other in this marriage to see that our marriage can kind of be successful? Being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes, I think, was really important and something we really tried to hit home with our MCTs. This isn't just about you going in and telling something, telling another person what to do. This is really is building collective efficacy around building the capacity of this new teacher. The situational leadership, I think Jeff and I would say, was, was a really big piece. Being able to meet a person where they are as far as their readiness in terms of just the task. Not just everything all day long, but each task we approach. There's so many things that BTs already do well. And so you don't need to micromanage those things. You need to elevate those things and let those be the successes that help them use to build off of what to do next and be successful with all of the tasks during the day. So that cognitive coaching piece was also a big deal. What Jeff said about mediating thinking, not telling you how to think, not telling you how to teach. But so when this um, model goes away or when this um, BT is released, then all of those skills they get to own because it was something that they had a they got to participate in. It was their voice. It was their thinking, not someone telling them what to do. So we we feel really good about those pieces. The other ladder that we kind of tried to bridge between the universities and between the county itself to set some goals for success was that idea of co-instruction, of co-planning, of co-reflecting, and of co-assessing. This is language that ECU was critical in helping us have, and one, I think, that built that bridge between the two settings so that these BTs were rolling in and able to hold on to that language and those processes that they already understood and apply them in this place as well. And it was learning for our MCTs as well to understand what those things meant. The co-instruction piece really helped define roles so that MCTs weren't doing all the teaching, that co-planning before of saying, this is kind of where we're headed. This is the type of instruction we want to use. 
And this is the type of thinking that we want to elicit for these students. And those co-instruction methods really lent themselves to defining the role for each, for the BT and for the MCT, so that they were able to have equal footing where it was okay. And then for an MCT to step up if they needed to, or for a BT to step up, depending on how they planned and how they, what instruction model they chose. The co-reflection piece was one, we tell teachers a lot, you need to, you know, do your reflecting, write your reflection down, but we really weren't specific about it. And we realized the different levels of reflection that went into this type of work. And so this idea of co-reflection, we set our plan, we set some goals for success. Did we get there? I mean, let's measure our impact. And through that measuring of impact and really adding in some good direct instruction on data, how to take data, how to use it to let it be the driver of all the things that you do moving forward and letting it not be personal, but letting it be about our students instead of just my kids and your kids really help that co-reflection piece of them being able to measure the impact that they were having and what did they need to do in order to be even more successful. But again, in this particular model, it was elevating what we were getting right. What are these BTs getting right? And how can we use that to get to the things that we might want to increase or tweak or change? And building that relationship was already there. The trust was there and the language was there to be able to have those critical conversations around What do I want to build in myself? What am I noticing in my data that I need to build my capacity for to help these students accelerate? It's not what am I bad at? It's it's what do I want to build in myself? So them having a voice in that reflection was was really a big piece. And then the co-assessing, being able to create an assessment. What do I do with this data that I have? Um, To have another person there to help you do that and to have a whole other set of eyes on these students to really know where each student is and find the holes and gaps that you want to be able to fix and build um, was a big piece as well. And one that we didn't think about until on the back end. So um, adding that piece in, we felt really good about that once once we um, got that one cleaned up. Again, that co-reflection, beginning the journey, we really let the data drive the reflection help as far as beginning walking into that planning. We measured our impact. What are we planning next? What instruction models, what's my role, what's your role, um, you know, where are we going and where have we been was a really kind of, they were very trepidatious, I think, in the beginning in that first year. But once, like just said, our MCTs really kind of settled into their role of this, this is about adult and student learning, it made a difference. And so we created what we call an MCTBT innovation plan where the BTs were able to set goals for themselves. This isn't your principal looking at an evaluation tool saying this is what you need to fix. It's what is this BT want to build in themselves that they've noticed? And so they had voice in in setting those goals. It was something they did with the MCT. And then based on those goals, our MCTs made their own goals for how they would support this BT as they moved forward in the plan. So those, those are some really, we've really enjoyed going back and looking at those. Some of the VTs knew exactly what they needed to do, and they don't always choose the thing you want them to choose. So again, that cognitive coaching piece really came in handy when we wanted to help mediate them into seeing the big picture um, and not just some tiny things, but them having a stake in their own learning and being able to own their own journey, I think made a big difference. 
And that leads us to the last piece here about that filling our tanks. I think one of the biggest reasons we lose teachers and something you see so quickly with BTs is not having enough mental gas to make it through a day. I mean, they're making so many different decisions on the run while trying to learn everything on the run. It's almost like a perfect storm. And all that they're being asked to do is we have to be fluent in this. You need to know how to do this, but management of students, knowing your families, but your content, but the way you're teaching, it's a lot. And that emotional resilience, I think, gets tried on a minute-to-minute basis. And so it's kind of like equating it to driving a car. We're all fluent drivers. I doubt there's any one of you that doesn't drive now and you're putting on your makeup and, oh, I think I know him and changing the radio and answering the phone all at the same time. And your brain's not having to tell your feet to push the pedal and push the brake because you're a fluent driver. You have the mental gas, be it a good thing or a bad thing, to be able to notice and be a part of all these other um, collateral things that are happening as you drive. And ultimately, that's what we're asking teachers to do. It's something that our BTs noticed on the back end. They talked a lot about, I was able to watch or to sit for just a minute and then take part. From an MCT standpoint, it's really easy to see how overwhelmed BTs are, but very often you can't do as much as you'd like to about it. But being in the room with them in real time and saying, you know what, I'm going to model this for you. And it has so many moving parts. Which part do you want to take data on? Do you want to build your capacity in first? And to let them make that choice, to let them notice what they need to notice, to take data, to watch the students while it's happening and and to see how students are reacting and some things that they might be able to do once they take the reins for that piece. So it's not that you threw me in the water without a rope or a a floaty and I had to sink or swim. There would have been a lot more failing because I was flailing. And here I got to see the water. I got to make a choice as to what bathing suit I wanted to wear. Um, I know how cold it's going to be. I know which strokes I'm good at. And I know which ones I need to get better at in order to fight this this current that I'm going to be dropped into. And so they were able to have the emotional resilience when they stepped into that role to be able to actually do the teaching because they had had time to do the processing um, and to make a plan before they started instead of having to do everything on on the run. And I think that was something that was just as enlightening to our MCT as it was to our BT, to be able to see that, to be able to notice in in their BTs what they wanted to do. No amount of studying content can give you that kind of knowledge to be able to create and plan for so many different leveled learners and differentiate um, a rigorous, relevant lesson in so many different content areas all at once. So being able to co-plan and be a part of that planning process with so many different models in the co-planning model gave them an opportunity to not only show off their own expertise with content and ideas that they had to bring to the table, but also to see how it laid down in creating the lesson itself or a unit itself. We were really eager to see how our MCTs were able to impact adult learning and I think that's a lot of what you were just talking about. And, and we did other things to kind of gauge adult learning. But, you know, ultimately, it really does also come down to, you know, what are the impacts on student learning? Uh, we were very eager to see how that would play out in the data. And so uh, we're in North Carolina in our state. Our value added model that we use is EVOS. So 
what we did in, in our data analysis was we looked at the scores from our teachers. Now, because of COVID, uh, we were only able to, to harvest data from the first year of work. Last year, we, we did not uh, have EVOS data because of COVID. So from our first year of work, and then also of note in North Carolina, our beginning teachers are years one through three. So some of the teachers that were working with our MCTs were first year teachers and others were second and third year teachers. So those that were second or third actually had previous EVOS data. Our first year teachers would not have had any, any baseline data. So for the ones that, that had taught, already taught a year and had EVOS data, we were able to look at the averages. And what we found out was that before you know, coming into this work with the MCT, their pre previous average was negative 1.13 uh, on that EVOS scale. And then after the first year of working with MCTs, we looked at the average EVOS. And for that group, they had actually risen by over a point to a positive 0.10. Remembering that zero is, you know, you're, you're making standard one years of growth. And so we were really encouraged to see that what the teachers were saying about, you know, how they felt more empowered and how they felt like this had been really beneficial for them, I was actually kind of supported by student learning data as well. So that was something we were very excited about. And I wish we could have really seen the data from last year because I, I think that, as I mentioned earlier, in year two, in last year, we really had that focus more on building teacher capacity. And I think it would have been uh, interesting data to see, but COVID. So hopefully we'll get some data this year uh, and kind of be able to, to compare those. The encouraging thing for us is that that data is demonstrating both teacher and student growth, which is huge. The two teachers that we're looking at, that beginning teacher, we are really supporting them, uh, not only building their capacity to teach, but we're we're fostering that emotional resilience that uh, Ashley was talking about. And when we can do that, our hope is then that we can ultimately retain those early teachers beyond those three to five years. And, you know, the data is to come because we just started doing this uh, and we're in our, our third year. So it'll be interesting to see as and to track these beginning teachers as they go through their career and see if they do stay in there, if we can retain them in ways that we have not been able to. And then the other piece of it is the MCT, those veteran teachers that are really good at teaching. They've had the high EVOS data. They are you know, just exceptional teachers who oftentimes just sort of remain in the classroom doing their thing because they're so good at it. But instead, we're pulling them out and we're valuing and leveraging that knowledge that they have, those long experiences that they have in their career. And we're creating a culture of support and growth in our schools for our BTs, but also for those veteran teachers. Uh, as you heard earlier, the veteran teachers, those MCTs, were also learning things 
Uh, and ultimately that may keep veteran teachers also staying in the classroom because a lot of times those veteran teachers will move on to other roles like administration or work within the county because they kind of burn out on, on you know, doing the same thing, say, you know, day in and day out. So by creating these paths where they they do have options and they can stay in the classroom and work with students, but they can also work with those beginning teachers, gives them, you know, a, a sense of purpose that they may not have toward the end of their, their career. So overall, we found some really encouraging data, some uh, fantastic stories from our MCTs and our BTs and our student teachers who were able, lucky enough to, to stay in that and be part of that um, model when they did get into the schools. So we are continuing to collect data. We are continuing to talk about it and to, to study it and improve that model. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the AACTE podcast. If you'd like to learn more about revolutionizing education and our annual conference, please visit our website at aacte.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at AACTE. There are more episodes coming your way, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. We hope you'll join us again next time.